Plain Spoken, Episode 5. Welcome back to Plain Spoken, the podcast where we explore how to live more slowly, more quietly, and with a greater focus on what truly matters. My name is Dean Abbott, and I'm the host of this program. If you'd like to connect further, you may do so by following me on Twitter. Twitter.com backslash Dean Abbott is probably the best way at this time to stay in touch with me to find out more about what I'm doing. You can also email me directly at dean at deanabbott.com. I'd also appreciate your considering supporting my work via Patreon. Patreon is going to become more important in my plan for this podcast, and beginning with this podcast, I'm going to begin uploading early to Patreon. So that if you are a Patreon supporter, you will get these podcasts as soon as they are recorded and edited, whereas the rest of the general public, whoever wants to listen, will get it specifically whenever it's uploaded and released uh, normally on Fridays. So if that's of any interest to you, uh, you head over to Patreon, search for Dean Abbott, it'll come up. You can also support this show uh, by subscribing in whatever podcasting software you use, whether that's whether you listen on Spotify or you use Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. If you will hit that subscribe button, that helps a lot. Also, if you would leave me a positive review, if you found any of this helpful, a positive review helps other people to find out about what we're doing and uh, helps grow our audience. So today I wanted to talk about social media. I was asked about that in the last episode where I did the Q&A. So today I'm going to take some time and try to do the entire episode dealing with this question. I do get asked about it quite often, and so it must be something that people have on uh, their minds, and I'm going to see if I can say anything useful about this topic to ease those concerns. Let me begin by telling you a story. A few years ago, I wanted to register my girls for a summer camp, and this is a very popular set of summer camps where we live. And you can only register online. But because you register online, the camps can close in like five or six minutes after registration opens because everybody's sitting at home staring at their computer, waiting for the clock to change. And then the minute that that happens, they register their kids. So this year I was doing the same thing. I was sitting at my computer, waiting, got, waiting for the clock, counting down the seconds, and I hit send or, or submit or whatever it is that I'm supposed to submit the hit to register these kids for class, for the camp. And um, it goes through. Everything's fine. Yet a little while later, I got a notice from the, the people who are running the camp that this is not allowed. Uh, My kid can't be in the camp that she wants to be because she's too young. And 
this is only supposed to be for, I don't know, like say, let's say fourth and fifth graders, and she was going into fourth. So I, some bizarre rule. Well, I went over there to talk to them about it, and I said, your website doesn't say this. I complied with all of the instructions on the website. And they said, oh, well, yeah, but we put this additional instruction on our Facebook page. Well, that's annoying because it's not reasonable to expect that everybody who wants to participate in your event will follow your Facebook page. But what this anecdote does demonstrate is that social media is now mostly an unavoidable reality in our lives, having displaced other sources of information. While we're on this topic, I'd like to say one quick thing about email and about the way that email generally functions within organizations, especially at work. If you're like me, when you're at work, you get, I don't know, 100 emails a day. That's not unreasonable. That's not an unreasonable expectation. You get lots and lots of email. And what has happened, of course, is that where once we used to get a memo or we'd have a meeting, we'd be told something directly face-to-face, now sending the email is considered enough so that if someone wants you to do something, they have some expectation from you, they send out a, a mass email, and you're supposed to be accountable for that information. What this does, of course, is it allows organizations to communicate more cheaply than they might if they had to pull all of their relevant employees off the job, sit them at a table, and go through the information with them. And it also puts individual employees in a vulnerable position because unless you are able to read and digest all hundred of your emails every day, you could miss something. And the whole point is that there's someone up in middle management who, if things go wrong, wants to be able to say, well, I emailed him. He should have known, right? And so what happens with this technology is that what was meant to be a more efficient means of communication really becomes a more efficient means of passing the buck, of covering uh, oneself in case of criticism. And that's kind of what was happening here as well. They wanted me, in, in, the, in the anecdote I'm telling you, they want, the people in charge wanted my kid not to get into the summer camp that she wanted because they had posted something on Facebook, which I hadn't seen. So that displacement right there creates problems. And one of the problems, of course, is the expectation that everyone will be using social media. That creates enormous pressure, enormous kinds of social pressure to be on social media. What, imagine if you were at work and you just uh, didn't want to have any kind of social media accounts. What if you didn't have to want to have an email account? So we've basically reached a point where opting out of these things is not possible. So given that, what do we do? 
Well, I think, first of all, we have to look in a balanced way at what social media does. I have to look at its many advantages, most of which are obvious. It's fun. It's a great way to keep up on both local and personal and national news if you want. It's a great way to stay in touch. Here is the kind of thing I hear about people in spite of all of the advantages. I hear people say often that they're going to quit social media because it's a cesspool, because it's so negative, because it's full of people pounding their unimportant opinions, etc. And we're going to, they, they say they're going to completely cut off all their social media accounts or they're going to leave. Of course, rarely do these people actually follow through, but that's the, that's a typical kind of accounting for social media that I hear. Uh, a sort of all or nothing approach, which like most things in life, an all or nothing approach doesn't really work very well. So we have to begin taking an approach to social media that looks at its advantages and its disadvantages and weighs those out. We have to be discerning. So let me say something first about this sort of fashionable hatred for social media. And it is a fashionable hatred that people get points, social points, for saying, oh, that social media is just really terrible. You see this a lot on Twitter. There are people who get Twitter popularity by complaining about how much they don't like Twitter. So think about it this way. Let's imagine that you knew someone. You had a relative. Let's, let's say an aunt. And she called you on the phone every day. It's be- this works best if you imagine it's a landline, maybe. And you have to stand in the kitchen and listen to her talk. You're wired to the wall still. And she calls you every day, and she talks to you about, uh, I don't know, what she saw on Fox News and how upsetting she, that is. And she talks to you about what uh, the Republicans are doing or about what the Democrats are doing. And she has very strong opinions, and she puts these out there in an unedited way. She goes on and on. Then after that, for a while, she switches to a different topic, and she tells you about all the family gossip and all the drama, all the drama in her neighborhood and all the gossip there. She tells you about uh, who knows what, uh, what she could tell you about, things that you don't want to hear. Nobody would, in that situation, stop and think, well, the problem here is the telephone. And the way I need to get, handle this problem is by getting rid of my telephone. Well, that's the same problem with saying, I'm going to just walk away from social media. Because social media is analogous to that telephone. And the problem you're having, if you're having problems with social media and the kind of content that you see there and the the way people act there, the problem isn't the channel. The problem isn't the telephone. The problem is the person you're talking to. 
So, the first thing we have to understand about social media is that social media and everything that happens on social media is people. You are a person that, and whatever you're interacting with online are, are the products of people. They're the represent, they're people's representations of themselves. And so the issue isn't Twitter. The issue isn't Facebook or Instagram or whatever you platform you're using. The issue is people. And if you are in a position where you're re- relentlessly frustrated or upset about things that you are encountering on social media, well, what you're really doing is you're in a position where you're frustrated and upset with other people. And the way you handle that is not by just cutting yourself off from whatever channel of communication you happen to encounter those people on. And so this is really... It's actually kind of a hard thing for people to grasp, I think. I think intellectually people know that what they're seeing on social media represents people or even is other people in a way. But it's harder to grasp because you're just seeing a representation on a screen. So you have to remind yourself. You have to remind yourself what I'm seeing here is another person. And you have to, instead of focusing on walking away from whatever social media platform is annoying you, you have to really start thinking about how do you relate to people? Because what social media does is it amplifies people. I don't believe that social media changes human nature or makes a good person go bad, and it certainly doesn't make a bad person good. It doesn't amplify, it doesn't increase, let me say that, it doesn't increase a person's level of virtue or anything else. What it does is it puts on full display what a person is. It amplifies uh, human personalities, and thus it makes them louder, and, and thus they it brings them into your awareness in a way that you might not have had them brought into your awareness if they weren't being amplified, okay? So what's true of people in real life is true of them on social media. So how do, are you going to approach handling this? Well, like everything else, it first goes back to the deciding why you use social media in the first place. There's what, like, I don't know, a billion Facebook users? That might be an overestimate, but there are lots. And there's millions of people who use Twitter. I don't know how many people are using Instagram. Millions and millions around the world. Most of those people didn't make a a decision about why they're going to be on there. They're just doing it because their friends are there and people are talking about it and it's fun or it's entertainment. I'm not sure that's a good enough reason. So the first thing to do is to step back and think, well, why would I want to use social media of any sort in the first place? And there are good reasons to use it. 
keeping in touch with faraway family and friends, great. I'll tell you how I used Facebook when I first started. I've been on, I've had a Facebook account for 12 years, I think. When I first started, I went back and I started reconnecting with people that I hadn't talked to in 20 years. It's odd. I got on Facebook right about the time of my 20th year high school reunion. And it really helped. And I ended up going to my reunion and having a good time in part because I had already reconnected with some people via Facebook. But how Facebook really helped me at that point was that I was able to reconnect with people and to have some discussions with them via Facebook about things that happened between us or in our relationship that I never quite felt right about. And so I carried all these loose ends, all this unfinished business for years until Facebook came along. And at that point, I was able to find these people online, send them a little message and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about, and have a discussion with them about that and put lots and lots of that unfinished business to bed. That, as far as I'm concerned, that's a great use for social media. But it's a great use of social media because it's a great way of relating to people. So what goes in the real world for relating to people goes online. And if you are unwilling to do that, you're going to have a bad situation on your social media feed. So you have to decide, how am I going to use social media? Why am I going to be on there? So do you want to, do you want to reconnect with people that you haven't seen in a long time? Do you want to make new friends? Do you want to stay in touch with family and friends who live far away? All of those are great ways and reasons to use social media. Maybe you want to promote a business. Great. But once you've decided, also remember that you don't have to You don't have to have no boundaries. You are allowed to determine whom you will be friends with and whom you will follow. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. So you're going to decide how you're going to use social media, and, and I hope you're going to use it for one of those positive reasons. You're going to keep in touch. You're going to make new friends. You're going to promote a business. You're going to promote ideas. If you have a point of view and you want to tweet about it all day long, uh, that's probably a reasonable use of social media. Well, let's look at how the default user uses social media first. Most people use it to amplify their drama. Most people are just addicted to drama. And they are online looking for other people to engage in that drama with and to amplify that. So Twitter is a great example of this. Every week on Twitter, there's a new outrage. So uh, just this week in some corner of Twitter I follow, there's been people debating back and forth and sniping and complaining about each other and calling each other names over 
some issue that next week will be entirely forgotten as everybody looks for the new thing to be upset about. So using social media in that way traps people in a kind of perpetual reactivity. They're going online, they're looking for things that amuse them, entertain them, or upset them. And one of the things that social media and its advent have revealed to us is how much people really like to be upset. They're looking for some of that, and so then they react. And social media, generally, audiences reward that kind of reactivity. Again, this is most clear on Twitter. You see something that upsets you and you shoot off a quick tweet, well, you're going to get a bunch of likes and retweets or people are going to come back to you and complain and argue with you. You're going to get attention for being reactive, which only perpetuates that kind of reactivity. Ultimately, this constitutes a kind of addiction, an outrage addiction, an an addiction to whatever's going on chemically in their bodies when they're angry or when they're involved in this drama. And all that kind of interacting damages people and it damages our real-life social fabric. Because in the end, all of those battles are just extensions of the person. They're extensions of the ego. They, they're, they're rarely about the issue. And that's why they don't last more than three or four days or a week at most. Because once, it, once whatever controversy has come up has been milked by everyone for attention, then they just let it go and move on to the next thing that they can use to milk for attention. So they end up trapped in this perpetual reactivity that is fueled by this desire for attention and this need to be noticed and to feel like they're one of the good people. That's how most people use social media, and that's why so many people are tempted to just walk away from it. I suppose in the telephone analogy, maybe it's more accurate to say... Instead of saying, imagine that your aunt calls you up and tells you all this terrible stuff, I, maybe it's more accurate to say, imagine that you had a phone in your house that was a party line, and when you pick it up, you can hear people gossiping all over your town. Well, now it makes more sense, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, that people want to hang up. So you don't have to have a party line. There is another way to go about your social media usage, that allows you to engage with people in a much more productive way. And that is that you, one, decide how you're going to use it. You're going to use it for a purpose. If you're using it to promote business, to create content, advocate for ideas, one of the things you could do, and I do this, is there are a number of very helpful pieces of software online, Hootsuite, Buffer, TweetDeck, 
all of these allow you to just schedule your tweet, your Twitter posts and probably your Facebook posts as well, and then walk away for the day. That's I often do that. I will sit down and, I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and write a day or two days worth of tweets, and then I am out. I don't have to be monitoring Twitter all the time, responding to what people are saying all the time, and this helps me to stay out of that outrage, drama, attention cycle. Second, you just create some limits. Set limits. When you aren't on there to pursue your purpose, you stay off. You don't let your ego run your social media profile. You're there focused on your purpose, and your purpose is to achieve some end other than to be sucked up into drama. One way to keep focused on this approach to using social media is to always be thinking about how you can use social media, not to consume, but to produce. The more you approach social media as an opportunity to produce content that helps people, and the more content you produce that actually does help people, the better your experience will be. So if you approach social media as a consumer, I think you're bound to end up either unhappy or in some way disquieted, even if you find it amusing in the long run. I don't think that simply approaching social media as a consumer is a plan for sustainability. Either you're going to become a person who has very little attention span, very little substance at all, or you're going to get burned out and you're going to want to walk away entirely. The third thing that I think really helps to use social media productively is a willingness to curate like crazy. So on Facebook, you're going to only be part of groups that actually really add value to you. You're going to either not be friends with, or you're going to unfollow people who create content that just clutters up your feed or that for whatever reason creates a negative emotional response in you whether that's their people posting about their political point of view or whatever personal problems that they're having, you don't have to be a passive victim to that because there are ways of manipulating the settings on your Facebook account to keep that out. And if you don't do that and still complain about social media, I don't think you're taking as much responsibility for making social media a positive part of your life as you ought to. On Twitter, for example, I'm very discriminating about whom I follow. So I think as of today, I have like 7,300 followers, and I'm following about 600 people. I'm sure there are lots and lots of great people I could be following, but I just can't follow everybody who follows me, and 
a lot of people just don't don't create content that is very valuable. And so that's a good model. I, I have found Twitter to be a tremendously positive experience. I've met so many great people and had so many opportunities come my way because of Twitter that there's no way I would want to walk away from it. But the reason that that is the reason that Twitter is such a positive experience is because I curate like crazy and I unfollow or mute people who don't offer what I am looking for via Twitter. So I look for people who I would want to be friends with in the real world or who I would see as a valuable person to know in the real world. And in the end, all of that, I think, helps make social media better for me. So what were the three things I recommended? One, use social media for a purpose. Don't use it to consume. Use it to produce. Two, don't be afraid to set limits. Don't simply absorb whatever people want to put up on your social media feed without setting boundaries. Don't let your ego run your accounts and don't get sucked into drama. And finally, curate like crazy. Pick people you want to follow or be friends with online the same way you would in real life. Are they positive? Do they help you? Is there something valuable that they bring into your relationship? You don't have to be friends with someone online just because they have access to a computer. Do those things, and I think you will find that they contribute to your being able to have social media accounts and a quieter life. Thanks again for listening to Plain Spoken. I'm Dean Abbott. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com backslash Dean Abbott, or you can just send me an email and let me know what you think. It's dean at deanabbott.com. Also, let me mention, if you go to the Anchor page for this podcast, anchor.fm backslash Plain Spoken, you can click a link there to send me a voice message that I will listen to and respond to, and I may even play it in the show in some future episode. Otherwise, take care, and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Plain Spoken. Until then, I hope this helps.